Welcome to the Voice of the Cape 91.3. I'm Asim Kasim with you on this wonderful Saturday afternoon. And as per usual, our program always looking at the Quran, looking at the Sunnah, looking at anecdotes, and looking at inspirational stories from our pious predecessors. This afternoon, we speak to the Honorable Sheikh Mumtaz Al-Haq. You completed his Hifdul Quran at the Jamia Rashidiyah in Sahiwal and then took up his studies in engineering at a UK university. He also took bay'ah first at the hands of Mulana Ghulam Habib, rahimahullah ta'ala, in his first visit to the UK in 1976. Then after Hazrat passed away in 1989 with Mulana Naeem Mullah Sahib, Tamad Barakatu, who then later granted him ijaz as well. He's been imam of a number of Jamia masjids in London for over 20 years. He's also had the good fortune of studying under the supervision of leading scholars like Alama Khalid Mahmoud Sahib, Damud Barakatu, for many years. The Sheikh has now made it a mission of his life to propagate the Aqidah of Khatmu Nubuwa, honor of Sahaba and the Aqidah of Ahlu Sunnah Wal Jama'ah. We welcome our guests to Cape Town and also here under the auspices of the Al Farouk Institute, and uh, that is also the uh, the Al Farouk Institute. We'll speak to a representative, Mulna Ilyas Samay, that will be telling us about the various programs that they have. Sheikh, first and foremost, welcome to the Voice of the Cape and Shukran for gracing us with your honor and sharing this very informative and very important topic. Jazakumullah khair for giving us the honor to be here. Inshallah, Sheikh. Sheikh, the, what we want to focus on because of our time constraints, looking at uh, the month that will be approaching us, we will be leaving the Hijjah very shortly, the very blessed month and sacred month of Muharram dawns upon us. And as per usual, this is the month in which there's prominence is given to those martyrs. And more specifically, usually it's the focus of Hassan and Hussein. Can Sheikh give us an overview and, and a some idea as to the prominence within Islamic history with regards to the Shuhada. Yes, indeed, Brother Jazakumullah Khair. Obviously, Shahadat in itself is the, uh, now there's two, there's a couple of things here. Firstly, is Shahadat itself, and then there is Shahadat of such prominent and great people like the grandsons of the Prophet, Zat Hussain radiallahu ta'ala, and his family in particularly. And First and foremost, you know, we need to understand that Shahadat in itself is a very honorable status and a great achievement, something which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself even wished for himself. And there's a famous hadith, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, I wish I was killed in the path of Allah, then raised and killed and raised and killed and raised and killed in the path of Allah. And great people, you know, we, we, they were long to die as martyrs. And in fact, the Prophet sallallahu in one hadith has stated as well, you know, a person who doesn't wish to die as a shaheed, he doesn't deserve to be a Muslim as such. Mm-hmm. And shahadat in itself is so dear to Allah. The Prophet sallallahu said, Man sa'ala Allahu shahadata bi sidqin ballagahullahu marati ba shuhadai wa immata ala firashi. Aw kama qala alayhi salatu wassalam, whosoever uh, he prays to Allah and asks to die as a shaheed, uh, sincerely, then even if he dies on his deathbed, Allah will elevate him to the status of shuhada. 
So shahadat is the end goal of every Muslim, or at least should be of every Muslim. And we see the history of Islam is marked with the achievements and of, of shuhada. Right from the very time of the Prophet ﷺ, when the Prophet was in Mecca, the first person to give their lives in honor of Islam was a woman by the name of Sumayya radiallahu ta'ala anha, the mother of Ammar ibn Yasir. And then when the Prophet ﷺ migrated from Mecca to Medina, and people used to take part in the various campaigns, starting with Badr and then Uhud. And then in Uhud we had the Shahadat of Hazrat Hamza radiallahu ta'ala regarding whom the beloved Prophet of Allah mentioned that he is Sayyidu Shuhada, mm-hmm. the leader of all the, the martyrs. And the way he was brutally martyred, uh, we, we've heard his story. And obviously time doesn't permit us to go into details of the way he was martyred but most people have heard his his uh, the affairs and the state of his shahadat and 70 other pe- people were martyred and then in battle of khandaq as well people like as saad ibn muaz radiyallahu ta'ala when he was martyred the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he went to pray his janaza he was seen to be walking on his toes sahaba inquired ya rasulullah why are you walking on your toes mm-hmm. and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said so many angels have come to participate in his janaza i can't put my foot down Wow. And then other people like uh, uh, Zaid bin Haritha, Abdullah bin Rawaha, Jafir bin Abi Talib, ta'ala anhum, who in the battle of Muta sacrificed his life uh, when he was carrying the flag, uh, the flag of Islam. Initially, his right hand was, his right arm was chopped off, then his left arm was chopped off, and then eventually he was martyred. And the Prophet informed the companions that Jafar, he has been entered into paradise, and Allah has replaced his arms with wings. So he became known as Jafir Tayyar. So throughout the Prophet Sallallahu life as well, and then throughout the history of Islam, there have been great martyrs. And then after the Prophet Sallallahu passed away, one of the best men in this Ummah, Umar radiallahu anhu, about whom the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he prayed to Allah, Ya Allah, honor Islam with either Abu Jahl bin Hisham or Umar bin Khattab, and Allah accepted his beloved Prophet's dua in favor of Hazrat Umar. And he accepted Islam. And when when he came and embraced Islam, Jibreel alayhi salam, he came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and said, Ya Rasulullah, are you happy at the Islam of Umar? And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam re- replied in the affirmative. Jibreel said, Ya Rasulullah, all the angels are congratulating you on the Islam of Umar as well. And they're happy that Umar has embraced Islam. Oh. And a man that who did so much for Islam. Hmm. Abdullah ibn Masood radiallahu anhu, he has been reported to have said that Azat Umar's Islam was victory for Islam hmm. and his migration was mercy and uh, his migration was uh, help of Islam and his Khilafat was a blessing for the Muslims. And Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he laid the foundation for the spread of Islam to such an extent that the superpowers of the time, the Romans and the Persians, were taken on simultaneously and defeated. Much of what Umar radiallahu anhu gave, not just the Muslims, but the world, is appreciated and implemented today. People who study history, for example, they talk about Alexander the Great. But Alexander, he inherited a legacy and he had an army. And he was only able to do so much. And when, in spite of his conquests, when he when he died, within a few years, his his entire empire crumbled. But Umar radiallahu anhu, the empire and the state and the khilafat which he helped or he he established, that carried on. And fourteen hundred years down the line, 
the Islamic world still appreciates and survives and exists because of the foundation laid by Hazrat Umar. Mm-hmm. When Alexander of Macedonia, also known as Alexander the Great, when he reached India and he wanted to proceed further, his generals refused. His army rebelled against him. But Umar was such a ruler in the middle of a campaign, he removed his undefeated and commander and general, but nobody could say a word. Mm-hmm. Such a powerful man, but he was also assassinated on the first of Muharram. Then Usman radiallahu anhu, to whom Muslims and Islam owe so much, when the Prophet wasallam migrated to Medina, the Muslims were struggling to for drinking water, and the Prophet wasallam appealed, "Is there anyone who, who will who will buy the well of Ruma and give it in service for the Muslims in exchange for something much better in paradise?" As Usman radiallahu anhu bought that well with his own wealth and devoted it for the service of Muslims. On many occasions, the Prophet wasallam gave him glad tidings and assurance of paradise. When Masjid al-Nabwi needed expanding, the Prophet wasallam asked. And appealed, who is it who will buy the adjacent land and gave it for the expansion of the masjid? As was Usman radiallahu anhu who bought the adjacent land and gave it for the expansion of the masjid in the campaign of Tabuk, which was a very severe campaign. The Roman emperor had made plans to attack Medina by, you know, and and, uh, and attack it take it by storm with a very large army. The Prophet sallallahu was made aware, and the Prophet prepared to to defend Medina and to uh, to fight the Romans. But uh, after many years of hard work and struggle, the Muslims were not in a position to be able to fund the campaign. So the Prophet appealed openly. Not many people had much to give at all. So Usman radiallahu anhu, he single-handedly funded almost a tenth of the whole expedition, which, which was around 30,000 or 40,000 men. And at the time, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he was so happy with Zat Usman that he said, "Madarra Usman ma amila baad al After today, if Usman doesn't do anything, whatever he does will not harm him after today. In other words, he was assured of paradise many times. He was Khalifatul Muslimin. What Umar radiallahu anhu left behind, Hazrat Usman established and spread that legacy far and wide. He was also martyred. In fact, yesterday was the 18th of Zilhijjah. That was the day that Usman radiallahu anhu was martyred. And so our history is, mashallah, illuminated with martyrs and shuhada. Mm-hmm. But how many people talk about even Hazrat Usman's martyrdom? And mm-hmm. with Muharram, indeed, what happened in Karbala to the family of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and Hazrat Hussain is indeed very, very sad. There's absolutely no justification whatsoever for what happened to Hazrat Hussain. But that is marked every year. But these are the great people. Hazrat Hussain radiallahu anhu was what he was because he was obviously the grandson of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, but the son of Hazrat Ali. Hazrat Ali was his father. So if the father, if the son's death and martyrdom and achievement are to be marked and remembered, then what about the father himself, Hazrat Ali, who was who was his father and son-in-law of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam? What he did for Islam simultaneously, uh, you know, similarly, he was by the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam side throughout his life. He was martyred as well, beheaded, and his skull was cut open, and it happened in the month of Ramadan. But his death is marked nothing like the death of Hazrat Hussain radiallahu taala anhu. And so the whole concept of shahadat needs to be understood properly and taken in its historical perspective 
that you know shahadat is something not to be mourned shahadat is something which is to be appreciated and to be praised and to be upheld you know if people are going to mourn martyrs then that obviously implies that the nation is not prepared to produce any more martyrs mm-hmm. but if martyrs are appreciated and glorified and held in high esteem then people will appreciate how great people they were but if somebody is martyred and people gather and they cry over and mourn then then that in a way is a refusal to accept what they stood for so the whole issue of muharram has been totally misunderstood and has not been taken in its right perspective and its right mm-hmm. context mm-hmm. Sheikh, as we gave us a bit of a chronological background and, and history of this very important and very prominent history that we as ahlu sunnah wal jamaah as muslims as we have why is the focus singularly only on uh, Hassan and Hussein when it comes to to Karbala well here again we need to look at history and we need to look at what was happening at the time Ahlu Sunnah wal Jamaah obviously see things in a different way to what other people and other communities see at the time there was a great conspiracy to undermine the spread and the superiority of Islam when we see around at the time although the romans and the persians had been defeated and islam had spread far and wide there was still a very strong feeling among people opponents of islam how the only way they saw islam islam spread being checked and stopped was to cause division and problem and disunity amongst muslims themselves and in the time of umar radiyallahu ta'ala anhu the might of and uh, the glory of the romans and the persians had been brought to an end and they had been they had been uh, uh, taken into the fold of islam but historically their uh, pride that was hurt and that was blunted and that was ruined as it were so there was a, a major campaign or there was a there was a call or there was a, a movement to to take revenge for for this superiority of islam so when we see azat usman azat husain radiyallahu ta'ala no whatever he 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 wanted or whatever the events which led to azat usman azat husain radiyallahu ta'ala no shahadat it was a conspiracy conspiracy to divide muslims it was a conspiracy to undermine the authority supremacy nobility and goodness of islam and so the hypocrites and the rebels and people who were not sincere muslims just wanted to play on and and uh, and uh, they wanted to uh, they, they wanted to promote their own agenda and they wanted to uh, play on islam and and hence they led us they lured hazrat hussein radiyallahu ta'ala into karbala and then when he was martyred then the blame was given upon the muslims to undermine the whole the community of muslim and the whole ummah of muslims that they did not care for the beloved and the noble family of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and that is that the muslims and as a result whatever they inherited 
from the beginning from the, the, the lifetime of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam his companions and the subsequent khulafa uh, they were all like hypocrites or they were not sincere to the cause of islam and eventually they sort of tried to wipe out the legacy of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam by getting rid of his family and they had their personal agendas at hand mm. which then caused and they saw the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's family and his 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 progeny a threat mm. for their own cause and and they laid accusation against the very community and ummah which rasulullah mm. sallallahu alaihi wasallam had built Sheikh Afwan, we, we just need to go for a quick break and when we come, we'll allow Sheikh to continue. Welcome back uh, in our last segment here on the Voice of the Cape 91.C with our honorable and respected guests. Uh, that's uh, Sheikh Mumtaz Al-Haq. And here on a tour, and uh, Mona Ilyas Samai will be telling us more about the tour and as to when it will be um, ending off. Uh, I think it's on the 4th of October, but we'll give our guests time to, to tell us more about that. Sheikh, with a few mo- moments left, tell us more about the uh, looking at the significance and bringing into context also the Prophet of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and also his family, the Ahlul Bayt. Um, significance is given to the, and prominence is given to the events at Karbala. Give us more perspective as to the family. Obviously, in any man's life, his family are very important. Much of what a person does to ordinary people, I mean, that's not the case with the beloved Prophet of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Obviously, he gave importance and preference to his authority and status and uh, responsibility as a messenger of Allah but to any ordinary man family is very important where a person lives what a person does is often dictated by the requirements of the family and a family is an issue which is close and very dear to every the heart of every person Mm. similarly we can't deny the fact that the beloved Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also held his entire family you know, very close to his heart. And the family of every man begins with his own wives. You know, no no person's family just springs up, you know, with sons and daughters and grandchildren. Every person's family begins with him getting married and having his own house and having his own wife and his own household. Bait means house, Ahl means off, so people of the house. And so the Ahlul Bayt of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam will automatically include all of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's family, including his wives. Now mm-hmm. the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam has laid immense emphasis on family life and marital affairs. Mm-hmm. Famous hadith of the Prophet is that iman. When a person gets married, he preserves half of his iman. All the prophets had prophets had wives and children so rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam allah blessed him with wives and children and in the quran allah has referred to the wives of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam as our mothers so as muslims and believers in muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam we have to accept and respect the entire family of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam this is the aqidah of al sunnah wal jamaah allah has has clearly stated in the Quran that the Nabi is dearest to believers than even themselves and his wives are their 
are the mothers of the believers. So every single wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is dear and honorable and respectable for every true believer. There mm-hmm. cannot be any believer and Muslim who doesn't respect any of the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And then, beginning with Hazrat Khadija radiallahu anha, and when she passed away, then the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam married Hazrat Aisha, Hazrat Sauda, Hazrat Hafsa. And a number of other women and every one of them deserves the respect and love of every Muslim and believer anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then also we can't deny the fact that the Prophet ﷺ had a number of daughters, including as a Zainab who was his eldest daughter, then Ruqayya, then Ummi Kulthum and Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anhunna who was the Prophet's most beloved and youngest daughter. Indeed, as at Fatima radiallahu anha, she as she was married by the Prophet was at Ali. But just as she was married to Hazrat Ali, and Hazrat Ali became the Prophet's son-in-law, so was it Usman married to two of the Prophet wasallam's daughters. So he deserves uh, appreciation and respect, not just for what he done, he did for Islam with his by spending his wealth, as we mentioned previously, but his relationship to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam as being the only man in the entire history of humanity who had the good fortune and honor of being married to two daughters of a prophet. And not just any prophet, but Sayyidul Mursaleen, Khatamun Nabiyyin, Rahmatullil Alameen. And then obviously the Prophet Sallallahu had his uh, his sons as well, who all passed away during his lifetime, including Hazrat Ibrahim, who was born to him in his later part of his life. And he also passed away in his presence. Then Hazrat uh, Fatima, radiallahu anha, when she got married, she was married to Hazrat Ali. Then Allah blessed Hazrat Fatima and Hazrat Ali with sons and daughters. And Hassan and Hussein, radiallahu ta'ala, anhuma, they were the Prophet's grandsons. And the Prophet ﷺ was aware that his progeny will continue through the children of Hazrat Fatima. So the Prophet ﷺ used to consider Hazrat Fatima and Hazrat Ali and Hassan and Hussein also members of his family. And here it is a very critical point, and that is, you know, when a daughter, when she is in the house of her father, she's she remains part of his family. But when she gets married and she moves in with her husband, then gen- generally she is is considered to be part of his family. Hmm. And although she carries on being the daughter of her father, but her affairs are then the responsibility of her husband. But because of the Prophet's love, he had so much love for Hazrat Fatima that he wished and prayed to Allah that Hazrat Fatima and her family continue to be considered as part as his family. So Allah allowed the Prophet ﷺ that facility and granted him that wish that uh, she was uh, that the Prophet ﷺ considered as a Fatima as Ali and Hassan and Hussein radiallahu anhu to be. Mm-hmm part of the Ahli Bayt. So they are collectively known as Ahli Bayt. Unlike in, in many circles, only as Fatima and as Ali Hassan and Hussein are considered as Ahli Bayt. We, the Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah, in light of Quran and its teachings, we consider the whole family of the Prophet worthy of our love and our respect. Yes, uh, Sheikh, as we continue, I'm just looking at the time also, and uh, if we can end off, uh, Sheikh, before we give Mullah Ilyas uh, to tell us more about the programs, give us some shit more light to our listeners on the role of um, the martyrdom of Hassan or Hussein, and also the role of Yazid in this uh, story. Uh, yes, uh, interesting conclusion to the conversation. <laughs> I only wish we had some more time, but obviously... We have our limits. But Hazrat uh, Hussain radiallahu ta'ala, when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was alive, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam had hints that his 
Hassan, what happened to Hazrat Hassan in the time of Amir Muawiyah, that uh, they will be Hazrat Hassan will be blessed with the opportunity to form or unite the Ummah after what will happen. Ummah will become divided, and similarly, Hazrat Hussein radiAllahu taala anhu, he will be martyred. So there are many things which were written divinely and were destined to happen, but it's it's really very tragic the, the way the whole saga unfolded at the death of Amir Muawiyah radiAllahu taala anhu. When Hazrat Ali was martyred, then there were there was a lot of disunity amongst the Muslims, leading to battles between Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Amir Muawiyah. Eventually, some some treaty was uh, agreed upon, but it this caused division amongst the Muslims. They were separated into two parts. When Hazrat Ali was martyred and Hazrat Hassan uh, inherited his share of the Khilafat, then Hazrat Hassan relinquished his share of the Khilafat in favor of Amir Muawiyah radiallahu anhu, so, so, so that the Muslims can be united. And for 20 years, Hazrat Hussain radiallahu anhu was alive after that. He carried on and he lived through the time of Hazrat Amir Muawiyah. But Amir Muawiyah radiallahu anhu, he was a very special Sahabi and a very intelligent politician. And he was a very senior figure in the Islamic history during whose time Islam prospered and spread far and wide. And uh, Hazrat Amir Muawiyah was very conscious of the fact that he didn't want Muslims to end up in a civil war where a lot of bloodshed would occur. So one of the problems he faced was does he leave matters as they are or does he assign a successor to himself? And after much consultation and much reasoning and much thought, it was eventually decided, right or wrong, but in light of the circumstances that Yazid will be the best option. That's not to say he was the best man. Nobody can argue and deny the fact that no one in the world can be equal to the grandson of Rasulullah But overall, seeing the situation and the requirement of the time, it was eventually agreed that Yazid would be the successor. Most people by far in Islamic would agree to accept Yazid, but some people didn't, including some of the companions who were alive at the time and Hazrat Hussain. So when Amir Muawiyah radiallahu anhu passed away, Yazid became the ruler. Hazrat Hussain refused to give him allegiance. People of Kufa then, they saw this opportunity to rebel against Yazid and not accept him as a ruler. So Hazrat Hussain radiallahu initially left Medina to go to Mecca. Mm. Many people, they think that Yazid wanted Hazrat Hussain killed. That is not quite true. If Yazid ever wanted Hazrat Hussain radiallahu anhu to be killed, when Hazrat Hussain left Medina to go to Mecca, en route 400 kilometers of desert and jungle, he was only accompanied by his, his, his family members. And if Yazid wanted him out of the way, he could have easily had them... Hmm had them out of the way, and nobody would ever know what happened. Hazrat Hussain radiallahu anhu reached Mecca safely, stayed there for almost four months, and while he was in Mecca, he was pressured and invited by the people of Kufa and to come over because they wanted to uh, start a rebellion against Yazid. They were not prepared to accept him as a ruler. Hazrat Hussain radiallahu anhu considered and deeply thought over about their offers, all the Sahaba who were around at the time and many of the leading personality advised him against it. Mm. But Hazrat Hussain radiallahu anhu felt that this was his opportunity and he had to do this. So he proceeded towards Kufa from Makkah. En route, there's almost a thousand kilometers of desert. Mm. If Yazid ever wanted Hazrat Hussain out of the way and killed, that would have been 
you know, the right time and the right place en route from Makkah to Kufa in the desert, nobody mm-hmm. would ever know. And Hazrat Hussain was only accompanied by 60 or 70 members of his family, many children, mostly women, some men, a few men only. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't happen. So when the people who invited him, uprooted him, when Hazrat Hussain reaches their doorstep, so whose responsibility was it then to guarantee his safety and security? But when they see Hazrat Hussain has come to our doorstep, they totally abandon him, reject him, deny him, and in fact, join in in the fighting against Hazrat Hussain. And this is well documented in books that Hazrat Hussain, when he was faced on the final final day at Karbala, seeing the people who were who were in the ranks of his enemies wanted to kill him, they were the people who had offered support. They were the very ones who had called him over. Mm. And eventually, on the 10th of Muharram, when the, bat, when, the, when the fighting started in Karbala, the final person to deliver the decisive blow which causing Hazrat Hussain radiallahu anhu's shahadat was Hazrat Hussain's, one of his own uncles, Shimr Ziljoshan, one of the brother-in-laws of Hazrat Ali, who had been a staunch supporter of Hazrat Ali radiallahu anhu while he mm-hmm. was alive. So when nobody else dared to, to raise their hand against Hazrat Hussain in spite of being in the ranks of the enemies. Mm. Everybody was reluctant to, to kill the grandson of Rasulullah wasallam. But then it was Shimar Zil Joshan who eventually delivered the decisive blow which caused Hazrat Hussain mm. shahadat. Sheikh Shukran, we have to end it off there. We have a minute, less than a minute to go. Malana Ilyas, if you can just uh, share with us the program that the Honorable Sheikh will still be having. And once again, shukran for Sheikh for spending time with us and also may Allah preserve Sheikh and grant Sheikh long life, inshallah, to continue with this da'wah that Sheikh is doing for the Ummah, serving the Ummah. Inshallah, may Allah protect you. alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to the listeners of Voice of the Cape. Alhamdulillah, as you've just heard now, Sheikh gave a brief introduction to the issue of Karbala. Alhamdulillah. Tonight we are very fortunate, inshallah, that between Maghrib and Aisha tonight, uh, at Majlul Miftah in Lintakhir, Mitchell's Plain, uh, Sheikh will be dealing with the tragedy of Karbala in more detail, inshallah. So for those of us who just got the taste of what Sheikh mentioned of Karbala to, uh, the, now on radio, you can come to Majlul Miftah in Lintakhir, inshallah, and you'll hear the details of the events that led up to Karbala and the realities behind the tragedy of Karbala uh, at Majlul Miftah in Lintakhir tonight between Maghrib and Aisha. And then Sheikh's final um, the, the, the part of the tour of uh, the Cape Town leg of the tour will be taking place tomorrow morning from 10.30 until Dhuhr time, inshallah. And that will be at Majlul Isharaq in Lotus River Grassy Park in 5th Avenue. Uh, the topic there will be after Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was the Khilafat or was the Imamat. This will conclude Sheikh's Cape Town uh, leg of the tour. Year after, inshallah, we'll be moving to Port Elizabeth, then to Durban and uh, various other provinces in the country to continue with the rest of the tour, uh, tour inshallah. Shukran, uh, Mullah Ilyas, for sharing that with us. That concludes our program for today. Shukran for joining us. If you want to have access to that program, go to the website of The Voice of the Cape during the course of the week. Go to Iono FM, and that's where you can download this program that we had today. You can download it as a podcast. Inshallah, we'll hear about our Sheikh in the forthcoming um, programs on The Voice of the Cape. Inshallah, make dua that we have the honor of uh, Sheikh blessing us and, and telling us more about this important topic. From myself and our honorable guest, uh, our Technician Shukran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.